is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? You know, it feels good, really good to be prepared. You know, I was noticing this last winter storm that we had, about 16 inches of snow. We haven't had snow like that in a long, long time. I mean, that was really something else. But the technology that we had, they, they predicted this thing a week in advance and kept saying, you know, there's going to be this, this, we're going to get snow seven days ahead of the snow. It's amazing the technology that we have today that can warn you, that can prepare you ahead of time. And, you know, I, I, I thought, okay, th this, this storm is coming. So I gathered my firewood. I put fuel. I got fuel for my generator. I got an alternate heat source. I, we went to the grocery store. And I told my wife, I said, you know, we, okay, we got all this ready. I said, it feels really good. I can kick back. I can relax. You can feel good about yourself because you are prepared for this storm that may dump two feet of snow in your backyard. And it felt really good to be prepared. And I, I started thinking about what did people do before radio and television? You know, people who lived on farms, people who lived away, didn't have any type of outside communication with the world. What did they do? Well, what they did was they prepared ahead of time. In fact, preparation was a way of life for these people. That's what they got up and did every single day of their life. They prepared themselves. They knew winter would come around. You know, they could tell that by the season. So they knew and they gathered firewood. They all during the summer month, they gathered food stuff. Whatever was needed, you know, they canned their, their crops, their food stuff. They killed their beef cows or whatever. And they prepared preparation let me get this out. Preparation was a way of life for people back then. They prepared every single day. It was not, you know, it was not, well, I, I'll wait to the last few minutes and then I'll prepare myself. I'll wait till I start seeing the snowfall and then I'll go out and go to the grocery store. No, preparation for them was a way of life. Of course, today, again, you know, we have warnings. We have modern technology. We have People, you know, they predict hurricanes a week in advance. You know, we got this hurricane out in the middle of the Gulf Coast, and, and it's, it's gathering power, it's gathering steam, it's 150 mile hour winds or whatever. And of course, you know, a lot of people, what's their attitude? Well, I'm just going to sit here and wait it out. I'll get me some plywood, uh, nail it on my doors and windows, as if that's going to make a bit of difference to... 150 mile an hour winds, plywood is not going to help you a bit. But they, you know, they, they are totally unprepared. They just sit there and wait it out. It doesn't make any sense. So my question today is this, are we ready? Are you prepared as an individual? Are we prepared as a people? Do we live our lives in an alert, ready, prepared state of mind every single day? I was reading an article about Israel, 
The article was, Why School Shootings Are So Rare in Israel Where Guns Are Such a Common Sight. I want, I want you to take a look at this picture here. You'll see these two schoolboys, kids coming home from school, and notice what they're <laughs> surrounded by. Notice the guns, you know. And, and the reason for this, that school shootings are so rare, is that Israel is under an alert mode 24-7. They are always ready to, and they are prepared to defend themselves against evil continuously because they are hated as a people. And so they have to be. So they live their lives in a 24-7 state of an alert mode, ready to defend themselves. That's how they live their lives. Now, you compare that to us as a people. No, there's no comparison. I can guarantee you that. And so my question is, are we prepared? Prepared for what? Well, are we prepared for anything? Let's just put it that way. Are we prepared for anything? Are we prepared when a crisis comes our way? You know, something goes wrong. Something happens. Or, or do we have an emotional breakdown when things go wrong? What about you? Are you prepared for a crisis? Things, look, life is not a bed of roses. Things are not always going to go smoothly for you. Stuff happens, as the saying goes. And when bad things happen, are we prepared? Or do we just have a total meltdown emotionally and bawl our eyes out and say, that wasn't supposed to happen to me. God, where were you? Yeah, yeah. When things go wrong, are we prepared? When things break, are you prepared to fix them? Or do you just let stuff, you know, I've met a lot of people. Their homes reflect this. Stuff breaks, and you know what they do? They just let it, they just let it break. They never fix it. You know, I was working on a home that we did rock work on 30 years ago. And at the time, it was a very nice subdivision up in Roanoke. Nice homes. Super nice homes. Expensive homes. About $300,000 to buy one of these homes. And that was, that was you know, probably 30 years ago. And I looked, and we went back to do some repaired work. And I thought, my goodness, this guy has never done any maintenance on his home whatsoever. The trim around the garage door was rottening. The door, I mean, everything about that home, it was falling apart. So when things break, are you prepared to fix them? Or do you do, not, do nothing, just let it go? Just, just let it go to hell. I don't care. Are you prepared? You know, they say insanity is to keep repeating the same thing that doesn't work. Does that, does that describe, you just keep doing the same, and it's not working, but you keep repeating the same little thing that's not working again and again and again. Are we prepared as a people? Are you prepared to get old? Now, <laughs> that's a loaded question. Are you prepared to get old? You see, you're going to slow down. And the reason you're going to slow down, let me tell you a story that happened to me one time. I was at the tax place and filing our income tax, and, and uh, it was an elderly woman there who had come in. I think they had hired her on the side just to try to keep up the pace. She was probably 70-some. And I told her, I said, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just can't slow down. I'm always busy, busy, busy. I just never slow down. And she looked at me, and she said, you will. You will. 
<laughs> I love that because it was the, it was reality and all its ugliness. You know, you will slow down because your body slows down. Therefore, you have to slow down. Now, are you prepared to slow down? Which means less work, less working, which interpret that as less money. Okay, are you? Do you have any? Are you prepared for retirement? What about it? You know, I was thinking about Social Security. I think for me, when I retire, Social Security is, well, I will get like $1,200. Well, I can't live off $1,200. I can't live off what I got now, what I'm making now. So what will I do? Are we prepared as a people? Or do, you know, most of us, we just live our lives not thinking about it. We just, it's like, it's a fantasy we're living in. It's an absolute fantasy land that we're living in where we put these things off out and we just keep pushing them out and pushing them out and pushing them out and thinking, I'm never going to have to deal with this. Truth of the matter is, you are going to have to deal with this sooner or later. You can't just push it out there and never deal with it. Young people, are you prepared to get out of your parents' home? Now, this is a phenomenon I don't even understand. I see it all the time, but I don't understand it. Now, keep in mind, I'm part owner of a business, and we work, we've worked young people for 30 years. So I have the experience in dealing with younger people. But today, now, it wasn't that way 30 years ago, but today I see this, like I said, this phenomenon I don't even understand is that I don't care if I ever leave home or not. You know, it's just like, you're how old and you haven't moved out of your parents' home yet? Because when I was growing up, oh man, I could taste it at age 16, 17, 18, and 19. I wanted to get out from under my parents' authority so bad I could taste it. And I couldn't wait till the time that I could move out away from my parents. Yeah, absolutely. But here's the problem. Today's parents, parenting, if you can call it that, create such a comfort zone for their children that they don't want to leave home. They do not. Why should I leave home? It is so comfortable here. There is no correction. There is no discipline. There are no bills. We have a guy that works with us. He's 24 years old. His mother still packs his lunch. At 24, I was fixing my own lunch in my own home with my wife. I mean, we, we had, you know, moved out since, well, long since moved out. But this guy's still living at home and his mother still packs his lunch. You know, and, and for me, it was like, not that my parents were cruel or anything like that, but it was an unpleasant experience living at home. And I wanted to leave that unpleasant experience, you see. I wanted to get out from under my parents' authority and prove I could make it on my own. Now, on the other hand, if there is no authority in the home, why would you want to leave it? If there is no discipline in the home, why would you want to leave it? You know, they used to say, the American dream for me was to get out on my own as quickly as possible. Today, the American dream is to get your 34-year-old son out of the basement. Yeah, that's the American dream today. Now, if you desire something, are you prepared to work for it? This is another phenomenon I see among a lot of young people that I do not understand. It's like, I want this, I should have it. That's not the way it works. That is not the way it works. There's a disconnect there. 
No, if I want this, I have to work for it and earn it and pay for it. But today it's like, you know, it's, it's this disconnect. No, I want that. I should have it. You know? And the disconnect is this. Proverbs 14 and verse 23. I'm reading this from the, uh, a different translation in the King James here, New International Version. It says, all hard work brings a profit. But mere talk leads only to poverty. Yeah, mere talk leads to you being poor. You know, it's, it's, you got to get beyond just a fantasy. You got to get beyond just writing it down on a piece of paper. You got to get beyond just dreams in your head. You got to devise a plan of action. You can't just sit around and talk about it all the time, you see. But, you, but on the other hand, if you've been given everything by your parents, you've been given a car, You've been given insurance. They pay your insurance. You've been given a place to stay. You've been given food on the table. Well, why would you even want to get out and do anything? It's all been given to you. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have created, parents today have created this incredible comfort zone that their children live in. Why should I leave home? You see, that's the problem. Now, are you prepared to pay your bills? Now, this is, this is another thing that I see all the time. It's, just, it's like, well, why should I pay for that? Just because, I, you know, I, they loan me that money. I don't have to pay it back. 40% of Americans can't pay their bills. And then you got bankruptcy, people going through bankruptcy. Uh, and I was reading an article about this, about Americans, you know, can't pay their bill. And it said, realistically, there are only so much credit cards to go around. And what it revealed is that people are just living off credit cards. And there's not enough credit cards that they can get. Yeah, this, this is the reality of what people are going through today. Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 4 says this, says, When you vow a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. He has no pleasure in fools. Pay that which you have vowed. In other words, if you sign on the dotted line, and you say, yes, I'm going to borrow this for this new car. Yes, I'm going to borrow this $100,000 for whatever it may be, for this new home or whatever. You sign on the dotted line. Not only are you making that agreement before your financial institution, you're making that agreement before God. And if you don't pay your vow, the Bible calls you a fool. If you don't pay back that which you owe. Let's notice it again. When you vow a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. Don't back away from it. Pay it off. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay that which you have vowed. It is your responsibility to pay back. And, but again, I see this attitude is like, well, I don't care if I pay, back, pay it back or not. I do not understand it. I absolutely do not get it. I, I don't understand it. What's going on today? When I, you know, bought a car, my, my car was a, uh, I wanted a Stingray Corvette, and, and it was $4,600. I still remember the price of that thing, $4,600. I was 16 years old. I forget how long it's been. It's been a long time ago. That was a lot of money. My parents, my father took me to the bank, and he said, okay, I'm going to co-sign this note. But I want you to understand something. You miss one payment, this car goes back to the bank. And I, you know, if I would have missed one payment, I, there was no illusions in my mind. Well, I'll just let him worry about it. No, 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 no. 
I knew I missed a payment. That car was going back, and I did not want that car to go back. And so I made my payments until it was paid off. If you're a Christian, are you prepared for spiritual warfare? Let's ask that question. Let's notice Ephesians 6 and verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Let me break down this verse for you. I'm going to read it from a different translation. I'm going to read this from the Message Bible because it conveys something I think we need, need to understand. It says this. It says, this is no afternoon athletic contest that, we're, that we walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. No, no, this battle that we have here, it's not a battle where you just endure a couple hours. No, it's, it's a lifetime commitment, spiritual warfare. The battle for the thoughts and the control of your mind is daily, and it will be daily for the rest of your life until you die. Spiritual warfare for the thoughts and the control of your mind. You can't control who knocks on the door of your mind, but you can sure control who you let in. You don't have to let that garbage in. All right, let's continue reading. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. Did you realize, did you even, okay, you call yourself a Christian. Did you realize this? Did you even know that this battle is going on? That this is a life or death fight to the finish, to the end, against the devil and his angels? Yeah. You see, the reason we lose to temptation so much, the reason we fall and succumb to sin, is because we've never acknowledged what we're up against. We kid ourselves. We kid ourselves. Oh, no, I mean, I, I, I don't have no, no struggles going on. We can't even see the spiritual battles that are going on. And because we can't see them, we don't believe in them, you see. But the reason you fall to temptation again and again, the reason we fall flat on our face is because we have never acknowledged what we're up against. We've never dealt with what the Bible says that we are up against. This is, for, this is a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. Again, it is up to you to control the thoughts and, of your mind and to do whatever you need to do to think right. You know, we cannot assume that we are a Christian and not be prepared in every avenue of our life. We can't. We can't assume that we're a Christian and not be prepared for a crisis. Something goes wrong and we have a spiritual, emotional meltdown. We're not prepared for a crisis. We're not prepared to fix things when they break. We're not prepared to move out and start a life of our, of our own. We're not prepared to pay our bills. We're not prepared to get old. We're not prepared for retirement. And we're not prepared for spiritual battles. You cannot assume that you are a Christian and not be prepared in every avenue of your life. Being prepared is how a real Christian lives his life. It's a way of life, you see, continuously. It's not just for a few hours of a week, out of a week. No, it's daily being prepared. And because we are spoiled as a nation, we are the most unprepared 
people in the world. America is the most unprepared people in the world. It's just like that teenage boy I told you about who is so spoiled because he's living in, his parents have created a comfort zone that he doesn't even feel the need. He doesn't even want to. He's 40 years old and he will not even move out of his parents' home because his parents have created this comfort zone. We are spoiled as a nation. We are spoiled as a nation. And, we, and for that reason, we are the most unprepared people in the world. Luke 12 and verse 40. It says, Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man comes at an hour when you think not. Now let me just digress a little bit about this scripture here. You know, if a person set a date and had it right for the return of Jesus Christ. You know, there was a guy... I think it was the year 19, uh, 2016, May 21st, I believe. You know, he, he had set a date and he had rented billboard signs. You know, May 21st, Christ is going to return. And, and, he, and you know, he, <laughs> this is what the guy did. But if a person had the date right, Christ would de deliberately change it to make this verse true. You see, be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man comes in an hour when you think not when you think not. Now, I do believe, though, that the return of Christ will occur on a holy day, one of his annual holy days. And the reason I think that is because a lot of major events have occurred on God's holy days. They do occur on God's holy day. The Passover, for example. You know, when, when Christ was on that cross being crucified, the Passover lambs were being slaughtered at the same time. Uh, Pentecost, the, the Spirit of God became available to the New Testament church, you know, on the day of Pentecost, okay? Trumpets, I believe, Christ will, will return. You know, the trump shall sound, Christ returns, and the dead in Christ rise first. I believe this will occur on the Feast of Trumpets. Now, what trumpets? I don't know. But I tell you something, God's people will have a much better idea when Christ is going to return than mainstream Christianity. Because mainstream Christianity doesn't keep the holy days. They don't acknowledge the holy days. They're all about Christmas and Easter and Halloween and April Fool's Day. You know, they're keeping those days. So, so the church of God will have a better understanding of when Christ is going to return because they keep the holy days that reveal, especially trumpets, about when Christ returns. The trump shall sound and the dead in Christ. Christ returns with the trumpet blast. Okay, are we prepared for Christ's return? As a nation, we are not because we are spoiled as a nation. As a nation, we don't want Christ to return. Now, this is not true of other nations. Poor, poverty-stricken nations that are, you know, every day, you know, nations like Africa where there is no Walmart. There's, I can't, I don't have an iPad. I don't have a cell phone. I don't have my computers. I don't have, you know, I don't have all this stuff, this clutter and junk I can buy. You know, these people desperately want Jesus Christ to return. But we, oh no, we Americans, we have too much invested in this world to want Christ to return. We are so invested in this world. And for that reason, we do not anticipate, we do, we do not look forward to the return of Jesus Christ. And we are not prepared as a people. Matthew 25 and verse 1 
Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five of them were foolish. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Now think about it. What a stupid person. It's like having a flashlight with no batteries. You know, I, don't have, I got this light. I don't have no batteries for it. But the wise took their oil in their vessels with their lamp. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, notice that, when you least expect it, at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered and said, Oh, no, not so, lest there not be enough for you and us. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy yourself the oil that you need. In other words, get your act together. And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I don't know you. In other words, it's a little too late to do the right thing now. You can take any church out there and draw a line down the middle of it, separate the people on each half of that line, and half are going to be, half are going to miss the ship. Half will miss the bridegroom because they are not prepared. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man comes. So my question is this, are we prepared for the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? saying, no, we are not. What is the end of the world? Will God allow humanity to come to an end? What is the hope that we should have for the future? Jesus came preaching the good news about the soon coming kingdom of God. Order your free Bible study entitled, What is the End of the World? Find out what prophecy says about the times which we are now living. Learn what Jesus said we should look for at the end time. Learn what world events will be like at the end. More importantly, learn what Jesus said about the true gospel of the good news, about the soon coming kingdom of God. Order your free Bible study entitled, what is the end of the world? Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net.